Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In this podcast, we discuss Borough's transfer window, the ins, the outs, the maybes, and your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is our Borough transfer chatter in a pod. Lemon for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom and our special two guests this evening, Craig Johns and Dom Shaw from the Gazette. Guys, thanks for joining us, uh, of course. It feels like an annual thing now, doesn't it? Um, but there's four in for Middlesbrough, nine out, a couple of extensions, and plenty of rumours to talk about. Um, guys, as always on the podcast, I want to ask how you sum up your feelings in three words. Uh, Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to keep it, keep it simple and say a solid seven because I don't think we've quite reached the peak heights of uh, Bournemouth's flashy transfer deadline day, but we've made some good business and obviously gotten a few players off the books as well. So all in all, obviously, we've improved the left-hand side of the pitch as well. Uh, pretty decent transfer window, all things considered. Tom? I'm going to go with a job well done. I thought it's it was nice to see us get most of the, the signings shut, uh, sorted That's at four. the start of the window. A job... Oh, I'm just going to say job well done then. Get rid of A. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to loan in an extra word there. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was nice to see it all get done kind of early in the window. Uh, we didn't kind of leave anything too late. And even when it seemed like we were after people kind of very late in the window and we didn't sign anyone on deadline, it wasn't too disappointing because it seemed like we had strengthened enough earlier in the window. Mm, absolutely. Uh Dom, three words. The, the the word police are out this evening, as I look to things. Uh, so three words, or you can sum up as, as a meme, however you want to sum it up. Yeah, I went for three words, and one of my words is ah, which I thought was a waste, but I'm sticking with it anyway. Uh, a clear plan. I think it was clear okay. from the off that Borough knew what they wanted in terms of ins and outs. Wilder said that at the start of December, and all managers say that, don't they, um, going into a transfer window. But it was pretty clear that Borough knew exactly what they wanted and how they wanted to get it. So I think it was a, a window very well executed. 
Window well executed. Um, I should have said that. Yeah, yeah, never mind. If you're <laughs> I prefer window well executed. We'll go with that. Okay, uh, Craig, what are you going to go for? I'll go with efficient balancing act. Uh, I think, oh. yeah, um, you know, efficient. Ooh. They got the work done quickly in terms of the incomings. Um, that was nice to see all four signings in by January 14th. Uh, and it was a balancing act of a month, you know, the uh. Chris Wilder wanted to, you know, have his squad look more balanced by the end of the month, and I think he's done that with the ins and outs, um, and and you know, financially balancing those books is always important to balancing the kind of long term project that they've got with the the short term, you know, ambitions that they still have and are still realistic this season too. Um, so yeah, efficient balancing act. So, Craig, for the first question of the night, then, what would what do you think Borough's strategy was then go for? Because you said their short-term goals, you're also looking at the future as well. What do you think Borough's strategy was this window? Yes, I think it, it was exactly that what I spoke about. I think, you know, Chris Wilder was, was quite clear, wasn't he, at the start of the window in terms of what he wanted to take from January. He felt the squad was a little imbalanced. Obviously, it wasn't a squad recruited for for you know his his formation his preferred formation if you like uh so there were certain parts of that squad that he needed to balance out uh that included people leaving as well because it wasn't fair to retain players who who didn't suit his style or perhaps didn't play in positions that were were you know no longer used by the by the football club um and, and so, yeah, balancing that squad, he, in terms of that balance as well, he made clear he liked, you know, left-footed players on, on the left side. So Riley McGree was a really big sign-in uh, and part of that kind of long-term vision that the club has in terms of getting, you know, assets, bringing assets into the club and having that kind of potential future sell-on value, which, of course, Keel and Boyd Munts is, is, is in that category too. Uh, but also, as we see it, thinking about that kind of short-term ambition as well and the fact that because of how well Chris Wilder's done so far at Borough, there is still a, you know, a very real prospect of success coming from this season. And and therefore, you know, I think credit to the club. They've backed Chris Wilder and brought in two very good and, you know, very um, highly you know, thought of Premier League strikers who I'm sure had a lot of interest from elsewhere, but Borough move quickly brought them in the suit Wilder's kind of style of play, uh, and and ultimately give him uh, options at the at the top of the pitch. You were determined to say options down there, weren't you? Oh, you, what, you were just, like, what, I was going to slip <laughs> right inside the word. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's going to everyone, uh, part of everyone's vocabulary that, but yeah, I think uh, it's absolutely spot on there, Craig. With you know the short-term success, the long-term value, trying to acquire a lot of assets which we can sell on, which we haven't really seen of Middlesbrough really over the last few seasons. But with Kieran Scott coming in, Dana, it's first first official window. He's described the free agent list as well as the best he's seen in a long time. And I know I appreciate we are looking short-term with the two loans of Balogun and Connolly. Um, obviously, we've got uh, Riley in there as well. But do you think having that free agent list best in the long time in a long time. Do you think that's potentially played a part in Borough's hand in January? Yeah, potentially. We could be looking at free agents in the summer. I mean you look at the list and taking Borough out of the equation, I mean there's the likes of John Swift, Sam Johnson, Ben Burton, Diaz of course. There's the, I mean even beyond the kind of standout names, there are still players there that can do more than a job for championship clubs. I mean we were told that 
there is there was a player that Borough were interested in on deadline day that is our contract in the summer. So, I mean, we could well be looking at free agents in the summer and it's maybe relaxed our stance a little bit. Obviously, maybe Craig and Dom will know a little bit more about that in terms of the ins of the transfer window. But yeah, the, obviously there's a lot of players out there, not just in the championship as well, in League One as well, there's some good players that are available. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Borough look at the the free agent list because to be honest I mean looking at the list itself the players on it you'd be stupid not to really oh yeah well you do need a head of recruitment or someone to help with the recruitment side of things and since Kieran Scott's came in now head of football he's identified a head of recruitment Dom is probably the next part of call do you think that's where he's potentially searching I think so, yeah. Um, Chris Wilder was asked about this at the start of that December and he said then that um, it was something that um, <clears throat> it's Kieran's department, it was what Kieran was looking at. I think what's important is, although Kieran Scott is in, is in charge of that department, it's not, you know, what he says goes type thing. It's got to be a team. It's got to be a team. It's got to be a back and forth. Um, and that is obviously something that, that he's going to, is that he's prioritising and looking to get in place. There was an interview in The Athletic only this morning, um, kind of looking ahead to the Man United game, interviews with Chris Wilder and, and Dale Fry. And within that, he talks about how what he wants is to have a structure in place where if he gets hit by a bus tomorrow, and those are his words, um, there's a structure in place that the next guy comes in and just and you know it just carries on. That that's something that we've talked about for years, isn't it? Having having a system in place whereby whoever's the manager, you you, you have a style, uh, you know, a strategy, um, a philosophy. So you're not lurching. And again, that's a word Kieran Scott has used, and I think Chris Wilder's used as well. From from one style to another, you know, Gary Monk to Tony Pulis to Jonathan Woodgate. Woodgate said on and off the record when he was in charge that he probably underestimated just how difficult it was going to be to get players um, <clears throat> playing the way he wanted to play. Now, it wasn't that they, they weren't capable of playing that way, you know, of getting the ball down, of playing at, at speed, but they've been drilled to play the complete opposite way for, you know, however the last 18 months or two years before that. So that that's common sense, isn't it? That's something that we've said for a while. And I, and I think you can see now that, that that is uh, that that structure is going to be in place, and the, the other thing that I think was obvious was, you know, Neil Warnock did a very good job, but had he been in place in January, you you would have had, you know, you'd have been banging heads together, wouldn't you? Because Warnock could have clearly been looking at the short term and what he needed to, you know, to get Borough up this year, um, whereas Borough are looking at players who can make a short term impact impact like Riley McGree, hopefully. But ultimately, if Riley McGree doesn't make a massive difference in the second half of this season, like it kind of doesn't really matter um, mm. because he's he's here for the long term. So I, I think everything that's been said, and, and the proof is obviously ultimately in the pudding, but all we can judge him on so far is the one window that we've seen Chris Wilder and Kieran Scott together in, which was January, which from the outside looking in, I think certainly Borough's best January window in a while. And I know Dana mentioned Bournemouth earlier. You know, that was quite a staggering window, really. And they've got to, they've got to go up now, haven't they? But other than Bournemouth, and they obviously throw money at, throw money at, at I, would, I would well imagine, you know, even getting players like Phillips on loan, can't imagine that comes cheap or without guarantees. Other than Bournemouth, I, I don't think anyone in the top, certainly in the 
picture for the playoffs has had a better window than Borough. So just 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 with that then, and you were saying there, I don't know, around the the players, um, like obviously the players coming in and not fitting the system and stuff like that. When we look at outgoings with Wing, Uche, Brown, Dejan Stjanovic, of course he does ex- he still exists. Uh, Coulson, uh, Cav, Valar, and Fletcher on El Hernandez. Lewis Wing permanent move to Wickham. Why do you think he left Bor on a permanent basis? Do you think that he didn't fit the system, or was it a case of? he needed to just move on to get more game time. You know what? I, I think it, it was just, it got to that stage where it just suited all parties. Um, I think from the outside looking in, it had maybe gone a bit stale for wing. Sheffield Wednesday looked a great move for him in the summer. There was championship interest, you know, Chef went big club. They're going to be challenging in the top half. And by all accounts, that hasn't gone well for him. Um, he struggled there. I think he probably just needs... You know, you look at that Borough midfield now, you've got your obvious three, then you've got McGree coming in, then you've got Piero. He's not going to get in that midfield, is he? And I like Wing. I'm a big Wing fan, but he's not going to get in that midfield. Um, so I think it suits everyone now for him to go uh, and, and to almost kind of kickstart his career again. I think like it's worth pointing out again just kind of how much of a success story Lewis Wing has been. It's you know I think I'm right in saying he was Ron Bourne's last signing, um, and you know Ron Bourne, yeah, he was professional dream maker for for God knows how many years. But reading that Instagram post from Wing, um, you know that it, it really has been a fairy tale, hasn't it? The way it's turned out over the last few years. I, I remember interviewing him at the um, the Hurling Show, whatever it's called these days, down at Eston, not long after he'd broken in, um, and he was saying there how. You know, his dad, his dad had uh, for years, massive Borough fan, his dad for years had had to split, going to watch Borough home and away and going to watch him in action for Sheldon. So he said, like, now I'm, you know, I'm living my dad's dream. He's still getting to watch the Borough, but he's getting to watch me play for the Borough. So I, I think it's been great. I, I, yeah, I loved watching him. I thought he was fearless in Tony Pulis's team and exactly what Borough needed. You know, finally someone who was going to take the handbrake off. Um Slightly surprised in Wickham, maybe. I don't know why. There's no kind of reason for me being surprised, but I don't know. I just, I just am. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think it's a great move for him. Uh, top end of League One, kickstart, get going again, and I hope it, I hope it really works out for him. Mm. It's interesting because his his best performances probably in the Borough shirt was under a style under Tony Pulis, where it was predominantly long ball and, and well drilled. Um, Ainsworth is probably like a similar type of manager, really. I think they had the, the, the lowest short passes in the top four divisions, I think, last season and then the season before that as well when they got promoted. So it could potentially be that thing where he plays that similar role under Ainsworth and he might find similar success. But, Tom, <coughs> would you have liked to see Lewis Wing have a future at Borough in, the, in this season or in the coming season? Say if he did come back in the, in the summer, do you think he could have potentially got a, a, a chance to, to play for Borough next season? I'm sure there the probably would have been uh, like even the smallest chance and I, I know he would have most likely applied himself 100% to it. I always remember when Pulis was manager, there'd be games at the Riverside where at half-time, him and, him and a coach would be out on the field and he'd be doing runs from kind of what like one touchline to the halfway line. He wasn't even on the bench at that point, but he was still out doing that and kind of trying to improve fitness and stuff like that. So I think that just kind of shows the um, the attitude he has, and I'm, I'm sure he would have 
like I said, applied himself 100% to, to try to fit into the system under Wilder. Um, so if he'd, if he'd have had a small chance, I'm sure he would have uh, loved to take it. But I think um, I think Dom just summed it up perfectly there. I think in, in front of the uh, the current midfield three, McGree, Piero, I think it would have been very difficult for him to get into that team uh, at, at all. So, uh, you know, Wick- Wickham could be a, a very good move for him. Could be, indeed. We wish Lewis the best of luck. But, Craig, another player that left on a permanent basis, uh, Marcus Brown, he was kind of like this player that probably wouldn't have fitted the system anyway, given that we're playing with wing-backs now. Um, would you have, one, like to see him get his chance under Chris Wilder? And, and two, do you think it was the right move for him to move on a permanent basis back to <clears throat> Oxford? Yeah, from from it, it feels very similar to that, in, to Lewis Wing, in how it suits all parties, really. I mean... Yeah, you've got a feel for for Marcus Brown. I certainly feel for him. He's just had such bad luck at Middlesbrough. Every time it kind of looked like he he, he might finally go on and kind of, you know, prove what we all knew was there and what he was capable of. You know, there was an injury or for whatever reason, it it just never seemed to happen for him at Middlesbrough. I feel, you know, really sorry for him because it wasn't for the want of trying from his point of view. Um, you know, obviously after he initially came in and, and, and Woodgate kind of loaned him out to Oxford, his second spell there, he come back and, and Neil Warnock was in charge at that time. And Neil Warnock has been quite open in saying that, um, you know, he didn't really like Marcus Brown. He didn't think that he, he, he was a a player that he would, would like or get on with. And, and, and Marcus Brown, with the incredible desire to to kind of prove himself at Middlesbrough, worked his way back into into Warnock's plans. He he scored that equaliser against Bournemouth and then got injured. Um, just coming back from injury again, looked like he was going to prove what he was there, uh, you know, capable of and show his his true talent. Scored uh, the goal uh, against Wickham at the start of the year. And then the very next game suffered that ACL injury in the FA Cup at uh, Brentford. And, you know, his, his time at Borough was very much like that all the way through. Unfortunately, it just never quite got going for him. And, uh, you know, he, we we know he had two successful spells at Oxford. It's a club he likes. The same manager, Carl Robinson, is still there at Oxford. So, um you know, this this it's a good move for him, I would say, for for his career because you know, as you as you kind of alluded to there, this the system that Chris Wilder plays doesn't really suit him. He played striker a couple of times for Oxford um during his loan spells there, but it certainly isn't a natural role for him. And I think, you know, looking ahead, uh, looking forward for Borough, Chris Wilder wants natural options up front and he he would probably want a better calibre of player with all respect to Marcus Brown in those positions too. So I think ultimately it's just another one like Lewis Wing where it suits all parties for, you know, Marcus Brown to go there and, and try and resurrect his career elsewhere. Just just yeah. to put in, sorry, on Brown, huh? um, he did a charity event. Sorry, yeah, it was, it was like a fundraising event at a, at a primary school at the back end of the summer. Um, and we, we talked to him there about kind of his injury and, and coming back and stuff. And he was dead honest, but he, he looked back to that kind of first half of season when he came in. Um, and it was interesting how he said, like, now, maybe matured a little bit, probably with what he's gone through off the pitch this season. He, he looks back and realised he was far too harsh on himself and probably didn't realise how much kind of being homesick was, was going to have uh, on his performances on the pitch. He said he was coming home from games. I think his brother moved up with him. Um 
if I remember rightly. Uh, and he was coming home from games, kind of kicking himself and being really hard on himself. You know, why why aren't I doing it? Why, uh, you know, why why can't I play like I know I can play? Um, I do think at times we underestimate. I think I think the same for for uh, George Savile when he first moved up. You know. For a young lad, as much as, much as I love life on Teesside, for a young lad who's, who's spent all his young life in London, playing in London, being with his mates in London, kind of coming up, being with no one, you know, other than your teammates, it, it does take a, a lot of adjusting, doesn't it? And, you know, we've seen with Bowler and Dykesteel how they've gone on to establish themselves. There's nothing to say if things, if Brown had a bit more, been a bit more fortuitous, that it couldn't have worked out similar for him. Yeah, that's, I think... that's, sorry, just to go again as well. That's something that I quite like about Marcus Brown, and and you know, I mean, I've never, I never actually got the opportunity to ever interview Marcus Brown. I know you did a couple of times, Dom, and when we've spoken privately, you've always spoken highly of of you know how he was to interview and what his character was like, uh, kind of off the pitch, and then certainly in you know when you saw in his kind of social media interactions where he wasn't involved in the Borough squad. He was always posting about the Borough and, and just in general, you saw his social media kind of videos and stuff of him, you know, in, at Rockcliffe and, and just generally, he just seemed like a, a good guy, a nice person. Um, so yeah, while it ultimately hasn't worked out for Matt Burrow, like I, I, I do genuinely wish him the best of luck because, uh, you, you know, you, you do wish good things for good people. Yeah, he's a top talent, is, is Marcus Brown. But just, just to touch on the home six stuff, um, Dana, do you think that could potentially maybe play a part in like Piero as well? Obviously, he's came from Argentina. There's, you know, doesn't really speak much of the language just of yet. And we did say at the start of the season that it's going to take him a long, probably a long time to adjust. Do you think that's probably the reason why we haven't seen as much of him as we wanted to yet? Because he's still trying to bed in still. Potentially. I mean, I know there's a big clamour for Piero to play and quite understandably as well, obviously, given the excitement of his arrival. It's a, a completely different deal and, and transfer to what we've been used to in recent years. But yeah, you're right there. Obviously, a young lad away from family. I think his girlfriend is here now, which is good for him at least. Um, and his dog, of course, which always helps to have a pet alongside you. But um, yeah, I think patience is probably needed. And, and this is where I think we have to maybe... I don't know, think back to how we were when, when Warnock was in charge and there was a big clamour around Piero then and, and why isn't he playing, why isn't he getting the team? To be fair, I think I can hold my answer and say Warnock was pretty much spot on with how he managed Piero. And I mean, back then, I think context is is important as well. The midfield wasn't playing particularly well, was it? I think we saw a lot of problems in the centre of the pitch under Warnock. So part of the clamour is understandable, but all in all, I think... As you've said there, homesickness can definitely play a part. But yeah, hopefully we can see Piero soon because past time, we've seen him already, haven't we, in the Cardiff games when we had that little run where he was alongside Crooks in midfield and he did look really good. So yeah, fingers crossed he can kind of start to bed in or continue to bed in as he um, has progressed through so far. Mm. And, and just uh, since you were speaking about Neil Warnock, it's only right we chat about Cardiff and Uche Piazu. Um, Tom, you play your, you've play you idolised Uche in your game on seven aside on a Friday. Um, do you think Boren now potentially lack a, a plan B under, under uh, given that Uche's went to Cardiff? And, and two, do you think Cardiff are the right side to, to get the best out of him? Well, I, I, I did say kind of, I think end of December, start of January, I think we might miss a plan B if uh, if if he does leave. I'm 
kind of changed my mind on that now with uh, Wilder bringing back McLaren ball and, and putting all the strikers <laughs> on at the end. Um, <laughs> and I think in terms of uh, having some height up top and someone who's able to win headers, as part of the strikers coming on, uh, Corburn could be a, a, a decent uh, different option, Don, um, in uh, in that McLaren ball uh, tactic there. So, um yeah, it seems like we might be covered there, but it does seem like Cardiff could be the best to to get the the best out of him. Obviously, he scored on his debut last night. Uh, I was saying before we started here, I think him and Hugo up front would be a hell of a physical partnership as well. Uh, so obviously, I idolise him, so I'd love to see that. Um, and and yeah, hopefully because Cardiff are you know fairly lower down the the division, he can hopefully do us some favours and, and some of the results as well. I don't think Chris Wilder wants a plan B the way that I think a lot of people perceive a plan B to be. Obviously, he said after the, the Reading game that he doesn't want to play lumpy balls in the box and because we don't have that target man. Even when Uche was here, he's a target man, but a different type of target man. He's not going to be somebody that's going to outbattle someone in the air. He's going to outbattle someone in terms of sheer physical strength. So plan B, I think is it's obviously open to interpretation, but I certainly don't think Chris Wilder wants that sort of the typical plan B you're seeing where teams do go along and they try to boot it up to a target man and try to have that aerial dominance. So yeah, I think it was obviously on the right was on the wall for Uche pretty much as soon as Wilder came in, I think. With one Dosh spot on from Dana as well about, you know, Chris Wilder and his plan B. Um his plan B is as Tom alluded to, you know, against Redden when the they fell behind, it was throw attacking options on the pitch. But there was method of what might have looked like madness. Um, you know, like some of the strikers dropped a little deeper. Um, and, and, and you know, ultimately it was about overloading the box. But still, you saw with the goals that the score, the two goals that the scored against Redden uh, to ultimately win the game, it was still built around that kind of patient build-up around uh, the penalty area and, and, and working it out wide to Marcus Tavernier or to Isaiah Jones to then put the ball in the box at the right time. And, and, and then it becomes about movement in the box and, and, and getting into the right place at the box and delivering well. It's not about being a big kind of burly striker like like Ikpiazu is. It's it's just about getting the movement right and playing the right ball at the right time, uh, which is why I think ultimately, you know, as much as I also really like Uchi and, you know, love his wholehearted kind of attitude when he plays, I ultimately don't think he suits the style even in you know, Chris Wilder's plan B, if you want to call it his plan B, he, he still doesn't suit that, what Chris Wilder wants. Yeah, obviously with, with him going now, it does open up another door for, for another for a bar, another bar striker in Josh Corburn. If if Dana Uche would look to potentially move on someone more permanently, do you think Josh Corburn fits the system a little bit more than what Uche does? And also, do you think Boris should look to double down on the young centre-forward? Well, I think we should look to double down on him on him anyway because, I mean, he's obviously full of potential and he looked really good alongside with Callum Kavanagh in the under-23s. Um, whether or not he suits the system, I mean, we've seen that he's, he's clinical. I mean, I think he's got the, the best goals per game ratio, goals per shot ratio in the board team. I mean, obviously that is a small sample size, but still he's obviously got a, that finishing touch. But whether or not he suits it in terms of his overall style of playing the build up before it gets to his feet 
remains to be seen. I mean, he's a he's a big frame, is Colburn, isn't he? So I don't really want to put him in the box of him being a target man because, to be honest, I haven't really seen enough of him in terms of maybe a starting games, etc., to kind of make that judgment. But we should definitely double down on him. I mean, it'd be great to see a, a Borough striker actually come through the academy and, and take that number nine shirt because we haven't really seen any since, what was it, Danny Graham got knocked out on his debut or whatever. So, yeah, it's, it's I think I think we're long overdue with Boris Stryker, so hopefully he could be that. Just crack up every time. I remember that goal, I always just crack up. I don't know why. Was it Charlton? It was, it was Charlton, yeah. yeah. It was. You'd, I don't you'd, know. Like to, you'd like to think as well that Coburn would have a better song than Danny, Danny Graham. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we so are we a creative one. nation army. I was going to say, does it fit into that? <laughs> well, we could probably fit it into that, yeah. If we had a Joshy on on it, maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what we could maybe because like, oh, Joshy Corbin. It doesn't really go as much. I feel like we need like a middle word to go in. An expletive. Does he have a middle name? Uh, <laughs> get me out. We'll 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 discuss this. Um, I don't be calling Joshy fucking Colburn. I mean, that's we go score from there. So I can't really say that to be honest. I think he, I think his middle name, if Wikipedia's right, is Guy, which is nice for it, really. Uh, oh. Anyway, <laughs> we'll come back to that at the end. We'll come back to that at the end. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dana, we were speaking a lot about Jonathan Woodgate's time and obviously uh, with with Marcus Brown as well, he was a sign of his. Hayden Coulson was brought in with Woodgate from the academy and he's found his time at the at, at side since he's been in the first team quite limited since Woodgate's left. You know, obviously he struggled under, under Neil Warnock and now he's on loan at Peterborough. I appreciate he was at Ipswich and then made the move on transfer deadline day. Are you surprised in like the the small demise in in Hayden Coulson? But two, do you think Borough could have potentially brought him back in more of like a sporadic role? I'm surprised he's not gone on a permanent. If I'm honest, it might be a similar situation to Uchain that Borough would would have preferred a permanent deal, but came to a compromise at the end with time running out. But I don't know. I, I mean, when you think of Hayden Coulson and the skill set that he has. It's hard to not think he he suits the the Chris Wilder way because obviously he's an attacking wing back. He's quick. He's nippy. I think he could definitely offer something in the final third. Energetic as well, getting up and down the wing. But for whatever reason, it it hasn't worked out at Ipswich. By all accounts, that's injuries. And I just feel like this move to Peterborough is almost delaying the inevitable. And I mean, we could see someone come back and all of a sudden become a a part of Chris Wilder's plans. I mean, Chubrat Pond potentially, you never know. But I think with Hayden Coulson, it's probably a case of, as I said, delaying the inevitable. Am I surprised about his demise? A little bit, yeah, because there was a point on the podcast under Jonathan Woodgate where we said that Coulson and Spence are probably the most important parts of the team, such was their kind of rise through the ranks. So a little bit surprised, but... To be fair, with Mark Baller and his rise through the ranks as well, potentially maybe not. But yeah, I mean, it it is a shame with Coulson. Hopefully, he can play well at, at uh, Peterborough and kind of uh, re-energize his career a little bit. To Domo Craig, do you think he he has a future, Hayden Coulson? I I sorry, um, Craig. I I completely agree with Dana. For me, he was Player of the Season in in the Woodgate year. Um, possibly Paddy McNair as well. And when when Warnock came in, I thought then that Coulson had been right up Warnock Street, just because he was kind of 
fearless, fast, um, could, could play you know both roles on the left side. I certainly didn't envisage him playing as a number ten, as a as a bit part player under Warnock. But as Dana alluded to there, if someone had have said um, at the Christmas of of the Woodgate season that. Um, in you know two or three years' time, whatever whatever it is, that both Jed Spence and Hayden Coulson would be out on loan at, at teams below Borough in the in the ladder. You, you'd have been staggered, wouldn't you? Probably at the same time, if someone had have said that Mark Ball or Anthony Dyke Steele would be part of the furniture in the in the starting eleven. Um, but again, agree with Dana. Coulson looks like a perfect fit for this system. Um, I think the disappointing thing has been that while, because of his injuries, Wilder didn't really get chance to go and have a look at him. You know, we know that he was watching Jed Spence, for example, before his um, just before his Borough appointment. But because of Coulson's injuries, he hasn't had chance to be to be watched by him. So I I think this is very much an audition now. The second half of the season, Borough will be watching closely. Um, <clears throat> You know, we see Maddo on Twitter, don't we, going all over watching the loan players. I would just expect that he'll be making several trips to to Posh. And um, I think this now is is kind of an audition for what what happens in the summer. Judged purely on that one season under Woodgate, I'd I'd like to see him given another go, really. Um, but but I'm not convinced we will. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how we move probably in, in the summer for that. But in terms of like the audition side of things, Dom, there's you know, there's Kavanagh now on loan for Lauren, Isaac Fletcher, then moved to Harrogate, Queen of the South and Hartlepool respectively. Do you think think they're all on, on audition as well? Or do you think it's just valuable for them to get some loan experience this, for the remainder of the season? I think it's probably more about the the expect. I think I'm right in saying that's the first loan for all three of them, isn't it? it certainly is for Kavanagh and Fletcher and uh, Falarin. Obviously, hasn't since his move from Tooting and Mitcham. Um, Kavanagh's the really interesting one there, isn't he? He's the one that I think we'll all be kind of watching closely. You know, he started was it last night or Tuesday night? Um, having only been there five or six days, and you know everything you hear. From the from the coaches and from everyone around the the youth setup of Borough is is very excited about him. You know his gold record speaks for itself. Um, but even then, you know even if he goes to Harrogate and scores a hatful between now and the end of the season, you, you still kind of feel when a, another loan, perhaps in League One, if it, if it went to plan, would make more sense next year than than putting him in. Um, you know unless he's a complete revelation and and you think well hold on what have we got. On our hands here, but I think it, it looks uh, a more of a, 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 a you know a better fit to go on loan again next year. Isaac Fletcher, I can't say I've seen a lot of him, um, but again, you would hope he thrives at Hartlepool because Graham Lee knows him well. Obviously, is I think it probably says a lot about Fletcher that Lee is coming for him. Clearly, going into a manager that rates him, um, and as for Falarin, yeah, it's kind of difficult to see him breaking in. But then equally, Queen of the South seem to have this magic touch, don't they? So he could come back in absolute world. Yeah, the Alan Johnson effect. Um, but <laughs> I, I think, again, you know, that, that's probably a case of let, let's just see how he fares. I always thought, although, although Falarin was kind of first in last season, I always thought Jones looked a bit more polished and rounded than Falarin. Falarin looked a bit more raw, didn't he? Um, yeah. But But equally... He, you know, he, he clearly has something because Warnock, he, he caught Warnock's eye last year. So let's see how that one, let, let's see how he fares there and, uh, and and reassess in the summer. But I think Cav's the exciting one. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think you're spot on as well when you say about the the extra loans for probably all three of them. Because even if you let them go on loan for probably the next three seasons, they're all still in the early twenties. So like, there's still such a long way to go for them in, in the careers as well. But Craig, the window's shut now. Um, but could we potentially still see outgoings maybe in the next coming week, coming weeks? Um. It's it's unlikely. I think we we asked Neil um, Neil Chris Wilder about this. Um, Neil Wilder, yeah. We asked um, Chris Wilder about this today in relation to James Lee Saliki, um, because of course you know he was one who they wanted uh, to see go before the end of the winter, and uh, and that didn't happen. And unfortunately, now most of the major European windows uh, are closed, so. Not much prospect of, of that happening, but there are still a couple. I think, uh, from memory, I think Turkey is open until the eighth, um, and and you know we know from the summer, um, a couple of uh, expert players moving uh, to Turkey in the summer. There's certainly the the financial capability um, to to do a deal in that country, um, and then I think it's February the tenth that the MLS window opens. Um, you know, again potentially financially capable of, of, of doing a deal and taking him there. Um, it's quite clear that, that Ren don't want him back. Um, so, you know, the prospect of just terminating the loan was, was, was never on, unfortunately. And, and of course it wouldn't be now because the registration window's closed. So, you know, they've got the, the kind of dilemma of, do we let him go back to Borough where his prospects of, of not playing are quite high? Or do we let him? Or do we can't terminate that law and bring him back here? Have to pay his wage, and there's absolutely no prospect whatsoever of him playing because we can't register him in our squad. Uh, so ultimately, he's probably James Lee. you going to have to stay at Borough. And and you know, interestingly, when asked about him the dear Chris Wilder, he's he's always maintained um, that you know the decisions he made on the likes of Saliki, Brown, Ipiazu. They weren't personal decisions. It was they were footballing decisions, and and and, and therefore because Saliki hasn't gone out, the the door's still open for him. Um, it 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 will be difficult, especially now. You know, McGree's come in in this window, and and Boyd Munts too, who who ultimately you know they're all vying for that similar position, that that kind of left sided eight position, uh, that that Marcus Tavernier currently holds, um. It'll be difficult for him, but but you know he'll be welcomed back after the Africa Cup of Nations, and uh, it'll be up to him to kind of try and 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 show something that he hasn't yet shown, and uh, and and try and get back into that team. Yeah, it's it's really difficult for him to probably try and get some game time uh, probably towards the end of the season. And appreciate in Chris Wilder's mind as well that he's thinking, well, he's probably off in about six months, so we don't really have to commit to him. And if he doesn't play for six months, it's kind of like. Hmm. Like it's not the end of the world for probably for both parties and Saliki still getting paid. But hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's talk about incomings then, because that's where all the Borough fans want to hear, hear, and, uh, hear about. And Balogun, Connolly, McGree, and also Neil Taylor has extended as well. We did, have, of course, extend some contracts with Josh Coburn too. Um, but I want to hear all of your opinions on this one because who who, and which signing has impressed you so far? Uh, Tom, do you want to go first on this one? Who has impressed you? Uh, so far, I'm going to say Balogun, uh, most of all. I mean, he's, he's only had a few kind of like brief appearances to, to do it in, but... I think especially in the last game against Coventry, he's definitely showed the the flash of quality that was needed for the goal. And uh, I think even, even at Blackburn, when when we were watching him, uh, you know, we, we put all the strikers on, but kind of like he was more out, out left and, and what more was out right. I thought he, he looked very good there. Um, even, you know, watching before he came here, uh, I think it was Arsenal Sunderland in the cup. Like he, he he's kind of shown what he's about. Uh, he, even back then, he's very good with the ball at his feet. Um, so out, out of the kind of limited times we've seen, every player at the moment I see is probably been more impressive. So one one for Balogun already. Dana, are you going to go for a double Balogun? Yeah, I would say Balogun. I mean, the, 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 the flick, I mean, I'm in the East End, so I couldn't quite see that flick in the build-up to the goal against Coventry quite as well as some people maybe in the West End, or certainly where you sit, Johnny. But yeah, that, that was a good piece of good piece of play. He looks really good technically. I mean, even in the cameos just before that Coventry game, I know they were very, very short cameos. Um, to be fair, the Black the Blackburn game, because of the added time, it was a little bit longer, but he, he does look good. So I would have to say Balogun, yeah. Balogun, could we have a hat trick for Balogun here, Craig, or are you going to go somewhere else? No, oh, yeah, it would it would have to be Balogun for me as well. Um, you know, we haven't seen an awful lot of of the majority of the the January signings, mostly um, Aaron Connolly, really. And you know, I don't want to have a pile on on, on Aaron, Aaron Connolly. I don't want to be kind of of writing him off uh, so early into his career. He's uh, he's a young boy who's who's barely played any football for for the last twelve months. Um, but you know, I think I, I know you you highlighted it on on this podcast, and I've highlighted it as well uh, in in analysis of recent games. That kind of you know left hand side um, uh, for Borough hasn't quite matched up to the to the right hand side of Borough. Um, we we see them kind of try to play in like in, intricate tri- triangles. Um, you 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 bring your wing back in. You 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 eat. Um, you know on the right hand side that's Crooks. On the left it's Tavernier, and then the striker they try and play intricate triangles. And you know on the right that's worked really well. Crooks and Jones have a really good kind of relationship understanding on the pitch. On the left it wasn't working so well. Connolly wasn't quite clicking. Um, 
on that side. And and as mentioned with the the Coventry goal, Balogun Kamani was on the pitch for for two minutes and straight away, you know, he, he linked with uh, Taylor, he linked with Tav, and and then provided the goal for Sporra. So uh, you know, n- not much to go on yet, but but yeah, it has to be Balogun for me. Tom, are you going to go for Balogun? As a... Yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, yeah, Balogun. And there's nothing really much I can add that hasn't already been said. I think the only thing is, um, it's probably credit to him as a character and as a professional as to how sharp he's looked, given uh, his lack of football, really. I know he's played under-23 football and um, the checker trade or whatever it's called now, Papa John's or, you know, but... Um, Identity crisis cup, I like. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's he's the obvious standout so far, isn't he? I, mm. I I think he might start at Old Trafford on Friday night, but um, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting to note that that kind of football he's played. I know Dom kind of mentions there that you know he has still played under twenty three football as as, as Balogun, and uh, you know just in in some weird defensive of Aaron Connolly, who I, I mentioned earlier, and obviously has been coming in for a lot of criticism and. Uh, you know, some of it deservedly so. He, he wasn't good at Blackburn, and he he wasn't good again against Coventry. Uh, that that can't be ignored. Um, but you know, in in his defence, whereas Balogun has played a lot of under twenty three football, and I appreciate it's it's nowhere near the standards of, of the Championship. It's still football, and you still maintain some kind of sharpness. Aaron Connolly hasn't even had that at Brighton. He hasn't been playing under twenty three football much, and and of course, as 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 you know, rarely played for the Brighton team. That's, uh, you know, throughout the whole of the 2021 calendar year. So, um, you know, I think, you know, he just needs that little bit of time to probably get back up to speed, probably a bit of confidence and and who knows, maybe even a bit of love of the football again. Uh, You you know, sometimes players can fall out of love with it and he has had quite a bit going on uh, kind of off the field as well. Um, So, you know, hopefully that will kind of click for him with some games as well. And uh, you know, I agree with Dom that I, I expect Balogun will come into the team and I think it's probably good for Connolly to come out of that starting eleven. But then it, it becomes his turn to kind of be the one coming off the bench and making an impact. And, and and hopefully from that, he can build his sharpness, build his confidence if it's his confidence he needs a bit. And and, and we will still see the best of him because, you know, when he first come through at Brighton, he showed what he was capable of and what he could be capable of. And, and there's definitely still an exciting player there who could have a big impact at Borough for the rest of this season. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how we how we utilise him probably in, in in the coming months. But I think mean, for the just on the impress impressed ones, I want to say Balogun, but then also for the for the five out of five, but also Boyd once. I think he was really impressive um, in the FA Cup tie against Mansfield as well. And hopefully we see a little bit more of him as well. But in terms of Connolly, Connolly then uh, Don, because like Craig was saying, yeah, he hasn't played a lot more football. But how how would you like to see Borough utilise him in the coming months? I think. In in the immediate uh, games, in the immediate weeks, it's 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 a challenge for Chris Wilder really because I do uh, both on a both on a um, managing him as a footballer, but also as a, as a bloke, as a person. I think what Craig said there about bringing Balogun in, and, and I agree with that. But given that Chris Wilder has you know already publicly supported him, um, you know you, you've probably read the quotes with Wilder saying, you know, I know he's a he's a he's a good player and he's going to show that. Um, 
I know I'm kind of going back on what I said initially, but do you then follow that up by bringing him out of the starting eleven? But then equally, mm. you know, again, it's it, without being overly critical, because I think you look at the two games, Blackburn, I don't really think anyone was at it. Um, he was poor, but it, let's be honest, he wasn't the only one that night. And against Coventry, again, I think uh, it, it's not a cop-out to talk about his lack of football. When I looked, I think he's played... 154 minutes this season for Brighton. He's already played 213 minutes for 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 Borough. Um, so it just shows kind of you know that that he's coming in a little bit rusty, especially as Craig alluded to there, which he hasn't been playing under 23 football. And then the other thing is getting to grips with with a style of play. Now, Falarin Balogun is someone who Chris Wilder has courted for years. Now, obviously that is because he clearly rates him as a player. But it might also be because he looks at him and thinks, he's right up my street with how we play. He's going to fit in seamlessly. Uh, yes, he, he has to adapt to the quirks. But, he's, you know, he's going to... I can see that he's on the same wavelength as I am, whereas with Conley, that might not exactly be the case. Um, so I think it's far too early to write him off. What, what I would say, though, is on the evidence of what we've seen so far, yes, Balogun's been mentioned, but but... I also really feel for Duncan Watmore because um, for me, Watmore was was key to the early success under Wilder. I know me and Craig have talked about this a few times. Um, I remember the Nottingham Forest game when Borough were ahead. Wilder brought Watmore on uh, when other managers maybe, you know, might have been a bit more defensive and just adding that energy kind of put Forest on the back foot again. Um I don't think he's had many, if any, bad games under Wilder. Now, obviously, he needs to manage uh, his his body and his knee through what has been a hectic period. And this was, he, you know, he told us in the summer that this is the first time he's kind of had a full pre-season going into a season. So he's he's probably in uncharted territory, really, and he's having to take each game and match as it comes. Um, but but if if everyone's fully fit at the minute. As things stand at the minute, I, I'm still going Sparar and what more up front. Um, yeah. Now, that might well change in a week or two as Balogun gets more up to speed. Um, but but that's kind of how I feel at the minute. And I, and I hope one more still has a, a big role to play in the in the coming weeks. Tom, would you like to see a bit more of Duncan Watmore? Uh, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't mind him uh, being given more of a chance, kind of coming off the bench at the moment. I um, I, I agree with uh, what I think it was Craig said earlier that Balogun might be the one uh, starting tomorrow. I feel like Spira might be the other side of that, um, but I, I do think what more deserves more of a chance, kind of based on how he has been, not just kind of in the, in the early stages of Wilder, but like the rest of this season. I think he's he's deserved it as well. So. Um, definitely, if he's given you know a, a bit more of uh, a chance off the bench, a bit longer to play, then absolutely all for that. It'd be interesting to see how he potentially changes the system and maybe fit Duncan Watmore in. We could always revert to a three up front if we needed to, maybe more of like a five-two-three, and see how things could develop from there. Um, but Craig, Dom alluded to it, Tom's alluded to it, Dana's alluded to it. Balogun fits the system; he fits to it very well. Is there a chance, a small chance, that Borough could potentially maybe keep him for one more season next year if Arsenal were, were going to let us? I think so, yeah. I think, you know, see see how we go this season, see where we end up. I think, um, you know, obviously at the moment his kind of 
you know ambition his goal for next season will be to impress now at Borough and 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 go back to Arsenal and 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 get into their first team and obviously you know the the January they've just had they've now left themselves ironically quite short of strikers haven't they in Aubameyang go um and 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 so that door could potentially be open for him but I think you know if if Borough were to be able to get up and make it to the Premier League might Arsenal look at that and think, okay, well, he's, you know, presumably or hopefully done well at Borough. They're now coming into the Premier League. I'm I'm certain Borough would then want, you know, that to ask to do that again. Arsenal might look at that and think, you know, well, he needs the Premier League experience. Borough are now there. We know we can trust them with him. Um, you know, send him back. I'm I'm not quite certain if, particularly if he does well and, and Borough don't go up. Uh, whether whether it would be as realistic, uh, I think, you know, if as providing he does well, I would imagine Arsenal would then, if they are still loaning him out, try and find a Premier League club for him. But if Borough Burr, go up, then uh, absolutely, I think you know Arsenal would be would be silly not to consider that he could go back to Borough and and uh, you know and get regular first team Premier League football there, which would be the good next stage in his development. And you know we saw with Chris Wilder as well, he did that at Sheffield United. I think Dean Henderson notably, um, you know, was on loan for them in the in the promotion winning season, and then again in the Premier League. So he, he's done that kind of thing before. Yeah, and I think it's interesting over strike. I think is because he could have that Ray Brewster effect where. He does go up with a team and then just doesn't really show, does he? I mean, obviously, he went up with he was playing well for Swansea, went to Sheffield United, then couldn't really get to grips of the, the system or style, and Sheffield United finished rock bottom. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see if we could potentially get him in. I would love to see him maybe extend for one more season. I think he's, I think he's the best player for him. <laughs> he's great. I think he's. Uh, uh, but go on, Tom, are you gonna say something, Dov? Yeah, sorry. Oh, um... Yeah, Patrick Bamford springs to mind in that, yeah. you know, I think at times players can be kind of a victim of their own ambition. Now, you never want to you never want to hold a player back, do you? But equally, uh, his advisors, you know, what sometimes by making a wrong move, it can set you back two or three years, can't it? Um, mm. If you know, if, if he's not going to get, if he's not going to um, get in the Arsenal team next year, um, which you would say is unlikely, wouldn't you? Given given uh, the fact that they're, you know, we know they wanted to sign a centre forward in in January. They're obviously going to bring one in in the summer. Uh, now we know they rate Balogun high. He's, he's highly. He's got a future there. Um, but I look at Bamford and and all that momentum he lost after that season at Borough. You know Burnley, Crystal Palace, Norwich, whatever else, um, and you just think now it might not work. The second half of this season might not work for Balogun, and there might not even be a conversation mm. to be had in the summer. But I agree with Craig. I, certainly, if Borough go up, um, I think I think it would it would make sense. Mm. Well, hope hope so. Um, but let's look ahead uh, to something a bit more long term. And Ryan McGree, I know we spoke about him uh, a couple of moments ago, but Tom and Dana. Let's do a breakdown on him because what could we potentially see from the midfielder and how does he fit and can he dislodge Tav? It's interesting because he's, from what I've read, he's very similar to Tav in the sense that he's a jack of all trades. He's got a good engine on, on him, which of course is really important to a Chris Wilder. Uh, 
style of play, the amount of energy that is dispensed on that midfield is is incredible, really, getting up, getting down, pressing. Um, McGree, I think, will fit into that sort of big tick there from from him. Good touch, comfortable in tight spaces. But he has been described as more of a go-between than a creator, so I think we could probably expect maybe more goals than assists. I certainly don't expect him to be somebody that, from what I've read anyway, that is going to provide that killer ball, but a risk taker apparently, willing to gamble, losing possession. Um, I have read that certainly at Adelaide when he was back in the A-League, he was a lot better higher up the pitch. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays in that number eight role uh, because by all accounts, he was much better as the sort of number 10 um, in the A-League. But yeah, good engine, good all-round player. It was interesting that Chris Wilder did mention he could play left wing-back because having checked it, he hasn't really played a lot of games at left wing-back. So whether or not that's just something that Ryan McGree could kind of fill that role if there's a selection crisis, an injury crisis, obviously that remains to be seen. But yeah, I'm really intrigued to see Ryan McGree because obviously this is somebody that... Borough had to really battle for with Celtic wanting him as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can offer Borough. Just from a stat standpoint, just to kind of back that up, um, I've got this from whoscored.com and just preface it, it's a smaller sample size for McGree taken from this season, I believe. Ten starts and three sub-appearances in comparison to Tav, who has started 25 times with one sub-appearance. But they are fairly similar, as Dana, uh, Dana mentioned. Um, especially stats-wise, uh, McGree, you've got 1.8 shots per game, tabs on two. Uh, 1.8 dribbles per game, tabs on 1.4. Um, 1.2 tackles per game, tabs on two. Uh, 1.3 interceptions, tabs on 0.6. And 1.4 key passes uh, with 1.6 for, for Tav. So kind of very similar, but he just he does seem like he's a little bit more likely to dribble uh, than Tav does, and seems statistically like he might be a bit better at cutting off passing lanes, uh, judging by his interceptions. But obviously, Tav is more likely uh, to make a successful tackle. Looking at those stats, um, which I think has been pretty noticeable in his play recently as well. Going to your head, do you think he could dislodge Tav in the current position, Tom? Not on current form, no, because I think Tav's playing outstanding at the moment. I think it's the same with, with kind of most of the midfields. Whoever comes in, it's it's got to be because of, you know, a tactical change in the game, like changing things off the bench or, you know, hopefully not, but an injury. Um, and they've got to take their chance. Um, I, I don't think, kind of based on how Tav's playing at the moment, that it's, it's likely to happen anytime soon. Okay then. Uh, well, let's chat about Neil Taylor then um, for the for the last question of the incomings. He says, uh, Neil Taylor, it's a safe pair of hands, but how does he stack up against Mark Ball on the left-hand side? Because to tactically, we have seen Millsborough adopt more of the right-hand side to try and get uh, more offensive attacks, but on the left-hand side, it's been pretty much non-existent. So, but, but if Mark Ball was to come back in, do you think this might potentially change? So is there any pros and cons against them both? Well, I mean, it it could change because I think simply put, Matt Bowler is more attacking than than Neil Taylor is naturally. So, I mean, Taylor's pretty much a, a fullback playing playing wing back, isn't he? So, I mean, he's done a good job. He's been solid, but definitely in terms of attacking, there was snippets of it, I suppose, against Reading where he was linking up really well with Tav um, and Paddy McNair as well. But 
I think Ball is probably going to naturally saw off you a little bit more attacking. And he was that at Black Blackpool. I keep referring to it, but there was a, a stat graphic put up about basically how attacking he was at Blackpool and might need to dial in with a couple of Blackpool fans to kind of see if that was actually the case. But I mean, I think you can probably expect a little bit more in terms of maybe goal contributions from from Matt Ball, a little bit more creativity. I mean, Neil Taylor has been good, don't get me wrong, but I think definitely in terms of getting the ball into the final third, it has been lacking and, and that's why the left has been overshadowing the right. There's still potential there, though, to be fair, in Neil Taylor to obviously drive up the pitch and maybe it's just a case of kind of Balogun potentially coming in and, and knitting that together because as, as Craig said earlier it just hasn't quite worked for Conley on that left-hand side so I, I think there's still potential in Taylor Tav and, and a Balogun for example or a Watmore so I don't think we should write Neil Taylor off right now in terms of the attacking side of the pitch I mean I, I know I did want a more attacking left wing back in in January but yeah I think he's he's been solid as, as Neil Taylor there always is the option as well to maybe play more central as well. I feel like he could probably definitely fit in at a left centre back and then maybe if we had baller back, we could maybe move him to a left wing back or if we want to be a bit more experimental, put a Connolly on a, on, a, on a left wing back as well to see. Because his strengths really are cutting on his right foot and trying to get a shot away. And it'd be interesting to see if we potentially do that towards the back end of the season. But Let's move on to questions then, because every week you send us questions through Twitter or on our email, theboroughbreakdown.hotmail.com. Um, and we answer them on the podcast. And the first one, and Tom, I'm going to come to you, and he says, it's from Paulie, he says, our loan signings the way it's going to be for Borough. Now, the bad part is that they have to go back to the parent club, um, but we have to start again. So do you think loan signings are the way forward for Borough now, or do you just think it's a short-term fix? I think it's short term and I think it's based purely on what we were talking about earlier about the free agent list being the best it ever has been in the summer. Um, I can see that being part of the thinking, uh, you know, for, for the summer transfer window and also for, for January, uh, you know, short term this season, hopefully, you know, we, we might get up through through the playoffs or whatever and then we, we might have a, a different plan for the uh, free agent list or uh, for the money if we were to go up. But if not then we've still got our eyes on people next summer uh, as a long, long-term long view, uh, where as soon as those loan signings go back, we bring in uh, you know, p- players from that to, to build up the squad. Okay, uh, next question, uh, Paul. He, he did want answers from this one. Um, and Craig, I want to come to you, and he says, who signed Saliki as Warnock made it clear he didn't want him and Wilder won't play him? He said he wants answers, so I hope you've got, the, I hope you've got him, Craig. I hope, I hope for your life you've got him. Well, I'm, I'm thinking back to when he first came in, and we were we were asking about Saliki, and by all accounts, he, he was uh, recommended by Kieran Scott. Um, now we kind of say that tentatively because, of course, he wasn't officially working for the club until after the summer transfer window, but he, he was placed on gardening leave at Norwich. Um, you know when it was clear that he was going to be joining Middlesbrough, um, and 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 therefore, you know. Not unsurprisingly, he, he must have recommended a player or two. Um, so, so yeah, by all accounts, uh, he was a Kieran Scott, uh, a name Kieran Scott mentioned. Um, Neil Warnock then has a contact in France, I remember him saying at the time. Um, and he, he, he'd kind of text him and, and, and said, you know, what's what's this kid like is he any good and 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 the guy had got back to to Neil Warnock and said you'll you'll like him Neil he's he's your type of player 
Um, and, and 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 there we go. James Lacey was was at Borough. Um, you know, it hasn't worked out for him as it. He's he's not played very much. He struggled to get up to speed. But I think more than anything, whether I I, I don't watch a lot of French football, I'll confess. But to him. He, he, his touch seems very heavy and he seems to want a lot of time on the ball. Whether or not you do get that in French football, I don't know, but certainly you don't in the championship. And, uh, you know, he's, he's not... He, he's clearly got a good left foot. He's, he's whipped a couple of decent deliveries in in the, in the few minutes we have seen of him. But um, but certainly he's a bit erratic uh, when he's rushed. And, uh, and I just think ultimately the championship doesn't look very suited to his style of play. It'd be one of those things where he looks better in the Premier League than he does in the Championship. It'd be just one of those silence, wouldn't it? Um, but the next question is from Charlie, and he says, and it's going to go, I'm going to come to you, Dom, and he says, do you think it's another summer rebuild with players' contracts expiring and loan deals contributing to quite a few, especially the front line? So is it a summer rebuild for Borough? Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a rebuild. As so. I think... It's a rebuild to a certain extent in that it's Chris Wilder's first summer in summer window in charge, and the summer is the time to really put your print on a on a team, isn't it? Rather than January, we know we know January is not a buyer's market. Um, so, so I think it's a rebuild to a certain extent, but I don't think it's a it's a rebuild in a in a panicked sense. Um, Obviously, we don't know at this stage what's going to happen with with Spora. Uh, there's Balogun, there's Conley, there's there's the players who are out of out of contract. Um, but I think Borough had a had a very well structured, or however Craig described it in his three word answer that was good at the start of, of of Borough's January window, and that was with two months' notice or what six weeks' notice. Um, so. Chris Wilder and Kieran Scott have talked an awful lot, both of them, about short-term, medium-term and long-term. I, I suspect the summer will have been discussed in, in Chris Wilder and Kieran Scott and Neil Bowser and Steve Gibson's first meeting, never mind kind of two or three months down the line. Um, it, it's always the case, isn't it, that coming towards the end of the season, the club will have... Uh, potential targets for if they go up, potential targets for if they don't go up. I would imagine that'll that'll already be in place. Um and and you know we've seen it in January. Um Borough benefiting from I think A, a, a their reputation as a club and B the contacts Chris Wilder built during his time in in the Premier League. Um I would well imagine that Borough will, will benefit from that again in the summer. Um so Yes, I think it'll be a rebuild of sorts and I would expect a fair few players to come uh, and we know there's going to be exits. You know, Uche, for example, and there's nothing to suggest that that, that is Chris Wilder's mind's going to change there. I, I know um, Chris Wilder's talked Joe Lumley up, but you still think the goalkeeper um, department might be addressed in the summer. You, you're probably going to need cover at right wing back depending on what happens with Jed. Are you a centre half short? You know, you look at Grant Hall and think, well, he's clearly not not Wilder's type. We don't know what what the future holds short term for Nathan Wood, whether he goes out on loan. So there's clearly a lot to address. But I think the key thing to stress is, regardless of Borough, whether Borough go up or not, they look like they're going to be doing it from a from a position of real strength. 
Mm. It, it really does. It, it, I've never, I've, I've never been so excited for a, a Borough team in a, in a long, long while. Um, I think with the way that we could potentially be looking, especially in the coming months. Um, but in January, Dana, we did make a little spreadsheet on potential links. Um, and this question's from Jake. He says, of the players who are linked with us on our spreadsheet, of course, who would you have liked to see us sign? And then there's a second part of it as well, which I'll come to you as well with. But the first part, what, what do you think? Matt O'Reilly, 100% Matt O'Reilly. Matt I watched O'Reilly. him in the old firm yesterday and he looked really, really good. He was actually on the on the right, even though he's naturally left-footed and he looked really good on that right-hand side, in fairness. I know he's literally only just signed for Celtic, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the Premier League within the next two years. And obviously that was the position that Borough needed to strengthen the sort of left-hand side of the pitch, which he was naturally on at MK Dons. So, I, yeah, Matt O'Reilly. But Jonathan Panzo as well, obviously, that signed for, for Forrest. I think Forrest have got a good pick-up there. Borough needed... Or maybe not needed, but it would have been nice to have that left uh, left footed centre half cover, and Panzo can play left back as well, and probably left wing back. So, yeah, them two will probably Matt O'Reilly. I've, I mean, I've been a big fan of Matt O'Reilly for a while, and yeah, it would have been nice to see him at Borough. But we got Riley McGree now, so it doesn't really matter, does it? And just interestingly, Dan, I know it's going back to our last podcast, Ryan Giles, he said that you would like to sign him for Borough. He did go to Blackburn as well. All, it was Conor Grant that I said. Conor Grant, oh, Grant as well. Like, yeah. Was it? Oh, did I say Giles? I think I might say Giles. God, but anyway, <laughs> I think it was Plymouth. Thought um, the part B of it though was while while we obviously trust his ability to manage, do you have any doubts on Wilder's choices of recruitment given the fortunes of of Sheffield United signings? So, is there any doubt in your mind that Chris Wilder uh, couldn't bring in potentially a, a decent or a bad signing? I don't know. I, I feel like he gets tired with this. I don't know, reputation almost from the signings that he picked up towards the end of his uh, time at Sheffield United. But you can't forget, I mean, Jack O'Connell is is probably the biggest example. He picked him up. I can't, I can't even remember where he picked him up from, but he made him into a, into a player. And I think he was speaking about this in a press conference and he said that he was in conversation to be in the England side. And that's the sort of signing that I kind of expect from Chris Wilder. And obviously we've spoken about killing Boyd Munson and, and asset building. And I think that's definitely the direction that Borough are going into rather than just throwing money at the wall and hoping that something works out. I'm not really too, too fussed um, or too concerned, shall I say, about Chris Wilder's recruitment. I think he has recruited well. Obviously, you're going to get some hits, you're going to get some misses, but nothing that particularly concerns me, no. I'm assuming okay. they might... Be Jake might be referring to maybe Brewster, Brewster, McBurney potentially. Yeah, likes. I, I, yeah, I think they're probably the only two that kind of stick out in terms of like high, probably high price footballers, isn't it? But do, I, th- Tom, do you I think, given, given just quickly to put in, I think given everything that we know was going on behind the scenes at Sheffield United yeah. in those last few months, it'd be you know, um, not foolish, but it. it wouldn't be wise to to judge to judge um, Wilder on that, especially given yeah. all the success he'd had before. And I, I've got to be honest, you know, when Ray and Brewster signed, Brewster was electric here for Swansea, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> Very true. When when Brewster signed, I'm thinking, why are Liverpool letting him go? Now, obviously, Jurgen Klopp knows a little bit more than me, um, and and he, it was clearly good judgment. But at the time, I certainly didn't think that looked like a like a bad signing. I think yeah, as well, like you've got to appreciate that you know every transfer carries a risk and you know you can be as diligent as you want but you're not going to get every transfer right um i remember one transfer window at manchester united where salix ferguson signed cleverson and eric jemba jemba in the same summer 
Um, what a know, drawback. What? Yeah, it wasn't, his, uh, wasn't his finest summer, that one, but I don't think anybody would be questioning Sir Alex Ferguson's ability to sign a footballer. So, you know, you're not going to get everyone right. But, you know, I think as long as you get the majority right and in taking Sheffield United from League One to the Premier League and, and doing as well as he did, particularly in the first season in the top flight, you, you've got to assume that, you know, the majority of the signings he made for Sheffield United were good signings. Um, mm. and, and like I said, as long as you get the majority right, then, you know, that's that's good, really. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I want to stick with you, Craig, uh, because Ted sent us a question as well. And he says, obviously, the plan was to loan a, strike, a striker in January without the option to buy later. But were there any tentative inquiries to uh, any potential permanent striker deals in January? So did Borough go for any strikers on a permanent basis in the January window? It's an interesting question because actually um, our sister site, the Gazette sister site in, in Bristol, um, wrote an article um, the other day and, and they mentioned Burra in the uh, in Natty Wells, uh, in reports with Natty Wells. And uh, you know, it's interesting because he is a player who I would kind of see fitting in that kind of Chris Wilder strike a mould, if you like. Uh, he, he, I, he, I must admit, he wasn't a name I'd heard until that, uh, that mm. article kind of uh, post window. But I know Gregor, who who covers the club down there, uh, you know, is relatively well connected and, and um, you know, wouldn't have just thrown that in from nowhere. He must have genuinely heard that. Um, so that is an interesting one. But it, 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 it also struck me as strange because you know, of how quickly Middlesbrough did their business. And, you know, quite clearly we know Wilder um, liked Balogun and has liked Balogun for for an awful long time, uh, you know, pre-date these borough days. And, and, of course, Aaron Connolly was in, what was it? It was days into the transfer window, wasn't it, when Aaron Connolly mm. came in? So the only thing I can think is that Wells was potentially, like, obviously, you know, we, we know the structure that's in place at Burr now and the planning that goes into window, windows. They're not just going to have kind of one or two options per position. They're going to be putting out the failures and, and, and you know, having backup options for the, the priority signings, if you like. Uh, it feels very much to me like in Connolly and, and Balligan, they've got, you know, first choice options, essentially. Um but but yeah, that was that was an interesting one, the Wells one. As I say, not something that hurt myself, but I, I, I do trust the uh, you know the the the, the source that it came from. Mm. Being a, a very interesting signing, Nucky Wells, very interesting. Um, but the move on to the next question, um, it's from Ian, and I'm going to come to you, Dom, if you don't mind. Um, he says, is there a risk Borough could have a problem with financial fair play, considering they didn't move anyone on a permanent basis with you know, obviously with with finances coming in, um. Well, yeah. Did the are we actually have a problem with financial fair play or not? I, I, it's not something that I think um, should be a should be a major concern, given that we know how um, closely Borough monitor it, how much how much they've pressed the importance of um, the AFL police in it for for want of a better term. Um, and although you're saying there about no one going out, you know, we know Lewis Wing went out, Marcus Brown's obviously gone. Yes, Uche has, um, and my little one's just walking past, I can hear him shouting if you can hear him screaming there. Um, yes, Uche was only alone and and um, and and not a permanent deal as as initially suspected. But it appears who, you know, he signed from Wickham in the summer. Now, mm. obviously he won't have been on peanuts, but I don't imagine him to be one of the one of the major earners. Um, yeah. You know the real high earners. 
other than that, you're only looking at Saliki, really. Now, I don't know what the arrangement is in terms of the wages for Saliki. Um, so in terms of outgoings, I, I don't think, you know, Borough weren't in a position where, you know, we need we need to flog these players no matter what. In terms of incomings, um, we know those figures talked about with Balogun were, were, were rubbish. Um, and Chris Wilder was keen to point out in every given opportunity that... that any suggestions that Borough had paid five million pounds, as some reports from north of the border had claimed, or, or even a deal that might surmount to five million pounds, um, were, were way off the mark as well. You know, I, I think Wilder said it, McGreeson said it. Um, as as tempting as it must be to join Celtic at the minute, you know, I watched them last night and they were brilliant. McGree joined Borough for footballing reasons, not for financial reasons. He wants to play in the Premier League, and he and he sees a route. To erupt there with Borough, um, so you know Borough, Borough haven't had a good haven't had a good January window because they've blown competitors out of the water. They've been shrewd, um, and the one kind of permanent move that they've made uh, in Riley McGree is one that they've clearly that they're clearly very excited about. Um, so, I, so I, I don't I don't think it's it's anything that that should be a major concern. Obviously, FFP is a major concern, but I don't think Borough's position is a concern. Just there, uh, just to add to that as well. Sorry, we obviously asked uh, Chris Wilder about that the day in in the press conference with it being, you know, his first time talking publicly since the window closed, and um, you know he was asked about the transfer window, and he, he did say that Borough were trying to, you know, trying hard right at the end to 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 make it work to bring more in to strengthen the squad, and, and I do know on deadline day, I know that we were linked with both uh, Jeff Hendrick and Kieran Clark at, at Newcastle United. Uh, I'm, I'm told there was nothing in Jeff Hendrick. Um, but but Kieran Clark was a legitimate target. He was someone uh, Chris Wilder wanted to bring in, um, and and for whatever reason that, that that didn't happen. It sounds like Kieran Clark might have decided to stay at Newcastle, though they have just released their twenty five man squad for the Premier League tonight, and he, he isn't in it. So you know, ultimately, how he's facing the rest of the season not playing, but. Wilder also alluded to the fact that not moving other players out um, meant that you know it, that played its part in not bringing others others in. So I wonder if there was a financial aspect as well to Kieran Clark coming in. So in terms of you know are they in danger of FFP? No, they were sensible and they didn't bring anybody else in at the end of the window. Uh, would be how I would s- summarize that. Um, you know, he kind of spoke a lot, Chris Wilder, about you know not not gambling at all on red or black, not taking a casino style approach um, because ultimately, you know, you do have to. Uh, particularly when you are Middlesbrough and, you, and you're going through everything that you are at the minute with Derby, you, you don't want to be uh, be then breaching those rules yourself, do you? So, yeah, sensible approach taken by the sounds of it. You're just saying, like, a couple of months' time, Middlesbrough deducted nine points for breach of financial fair play rules, just standard, wouldn't it? Um, the, the final question, I want to come to Wally's for this one because I want to hear your opinions on it. Um, and it's from Ben. He says, What do you feel the best outcome is for Jed Spence in the summer? Um, and how much realistically do you think we could get for him? So, Tom, I'll go start off with you. Um, what is the best outcome for Jed Spence in the summer? And how much do you think we could potentially get for him if we did decide to sell him? I think it depends where it's at, where his head's at. Um, I, I think going into January, it was clear he was very happy at Forest and he didn't really want to come back. And if he if he had, I don't think he'd have got past Isaiah Jones into the team anyway. 
Um, but then he's he's obviously had a, a great performance against Arsenal, uh, drawn some eyes to him. And there were there were uh, rumours on deadline day that Spurs were, uh, were were trying to bid for him, and we wanted fifteen million for him. <laughs> I was thinking if we get fifteen million for him, like that that is absolutely phenomenal considering where he was kind of in the summer and and, and coming into this season. Um, so I mean, if he keeps adding stock to his name, why not? But um, I, I feel like that was probably like overreported, and it might be slightly less than that. With like a a sell-on clause, but I think with how well he's doing, we could probably expect a decent fee from him. Uh, Fifteen million pounds. You, would you drive him there, Tom? Pick my man Jarrell's on the way there. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dana, what do you think? What's the best outcome for Jed, and how much do you think we could get from him? Yeah, I, I can't see Jed staying at Borough, to be honest. I can't really see his future being here. Um, to be fair, I can't really see it being at Forest either because I think Borough will command a big fee. I think £50 million is... I mean, we're in a market where I think teams do throw money on to certain transfer deals. They're buying for potential, aren't they, essentially? So I think £50 million would be brilliant for Borough considering that we did pick him up, obviously released... Uh, by Fulham's academy and I tell you what Fulham fans must be kicking their club because they've released some youngsters over the years I mean Harvey Elliott, mm-hmm. Ched, um, Fabio Carvalho is probably going to go for peanuts and um, oh, Matt O'Reilly as well is another one so mm-hmm. they must be kicking their fans but yeah I, I would say probably 15 million is is something that Boris should probably look towards. Okay uh, Dom what do you think? Uh, it it feels, I agree with Dana, it feels unlikely, I think, that um, I think if he was going to come back, he'd have probably come back in January. Um, mm. And, and, and there's, the, there's the Isaiah Jones factor, isn't there? You know, if Jones continues in the in the fashion he's in at the minute, yeah, I agree with Tom, Spence doesn't get in the team. Um, I, I, I think if he carries on in the, in the manner he has been playing for Forrest, I certainly think you're looking at 10 million plus um, mm. for a young... English right back, uh, who who as to say has, has had eyes on him. Um, you know there was there was talk of Premier League scouts in the summer, Everton and Wolves, and I'm thinking then you know that's clearly agent talk. He's not a Premier League player. Um, you, there there is question marks clearly, isn't there about about um, off the pitch and and you know how is how he approaches the game off the pitch, but you know the, the performances speak for themselves at Forest but if, you know if I'm put on the spot now I, I say Borough sell him in the summer not to Forest probably to a Premier League team and I think yeah you, you, given if, if he carries on as he is you are, you are looking at maybe 10 million plus mm, which would be another again just sorry which would be another great success story for Borough's now he might go on and he might go on and, and you know be, be a uh, an excellent top six Premier League player, but in the in the in the sense of you've you've brought him in from you know having been released without a club to to getting that sort of money for him um, for a club like Borough, you know the the say don't the the the, the best clubs is what Brentford have done so well over the years, knowing when to sell a player mm. and having trust in their system that they've got someone else to to come in and replace him. I think if you got that money for Spence in the summer, regardless of how well he's played. Um, this season, I, th- I think that's a brilliant bit of business. Mm. Okay, Craig, take us on. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with everybody else on that one. I think ultimately, you know, Spence has kind of made his position clear, and and uh, from Borough's point of view, I don't see the situation changing uh, between now and the end of the season with Isaiah Jones and, and ultimately Spence coming back uh, to be part of Borough's squad could potentially stifle his uh, progress and, and and all the good things that he's doing. Um, so yeah, ultimately, I think Spence has done very well at Forest, but that's a good thing for Borough in terms of him becoming an asset and you know how much could Borough get from him if selling him? Well, it's how much uh, are people willing to, to pay, essentially. But I agree with everyone else. I think could be a potential bidding war there if uh, if enough clubs are coming in. The, the teams that I mentioned as interested parties are legitimate. And yeah, I think you could be looking at 10 million plus and 15 million potentially too much but you would want over 10 so you know somewhere in the middle about 12.5 but you know with with all these things you, you never get that fee up front mm. uh, there'll be so much up front and then you know so much paid over a certain amount of times potentially bits that are you know um dependent on 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 certain parameters being met etc it's never that's why we always say the undisclosed now isn't it because uh you know the the the, the i always remember when Sunderland signed will grig and the reports were that it was it was four million that they were paying for him where in actual fact they paid one million up front which was still way too much but <laughs> um but it was only ever going to be four million if they reached the Premier League. So I don't think, certainly not any time soon. I don't think there's any danger of them ever having to pay four million for uh, World Greek on that account. But but that's that's the way transfers work now. So it's uh, you know the key thing for Borough will be negotiating, um, you know that those terms and those bits of money however they come do come and uh you know things like sell-on clauses i think as well will be important in the deal because you can always uh you know make a, a little bit of money down the line on things like that too mm. okay so final question uh came from they sent me a dm and it's called from aaron it's it's quite a nice one to end on fears all uh, and it says out of the new signings who would you like to go on a night out with and what would the activity be so it's a final question. It's an open question. You're just going to all have an answer for it. So, Dan, I'm going to start for you. Who out of the new signings? Who would you like to go on a night out with, and what would the activity be? <sighs> Cricket with Riley McGree. I'm not sure that's a <laughs> night out, and I also think it's probably too soon because of the ashes. But just throw that in for the laughs anyway. Yeah, let's let's do some cricket with Riley McGree. <laughs> There'll be a place somewhere where they might have like a cricket net, you know, like Caught somewhere, and you, yeah, you cricket could like, club. Yeah, like like you could go for a net, have a couple of pints, and be a good night there. Um, Craig, what are you going to go for on out the new silence? Who would you like to go on a night out with, and what the, would the activity be? Do you know what? When you sent these questions over last night, this was the only one that I thought to myself, I'm going to have to have a think about this one. And uh, <laughs> I forgot to have a think about was it. Was there like an itinerary involved and everything? Yeah. <laughs> um, I completely forgot to think about it, did you? Um, so, so you put me on the spot now. And um, well, you haven't because you did prepare me for it. And I, just, <laughs> yeah. but, um, I can come back to you if you want. Can we come back no, to you? I'll, I'll I'll go because he's the only one I've spoken to so far, and he did seem like a genuinely really nice guy. I'll I'll, I'll just go for some quiet uh, pints, you know. I'm I'm not a flashy guy. I'll take the weather spoons, and uh, and me and Boyd Months will have a couple of pints, a couple of quiet pints, <laughs> and the weather spoons. 
Love it. So just a quiet, just a quiet night out. So we've got cricket, a couple of pints, and then Tom, what are you going to go for? Cricket. Well, I'm going to go for a similar uh, Aussie-themed one with Riley McGree, but I'm going to find a walkabout that's still open. Have a Foster's drinking contest. <laughs> Foster's drinking. Get one of them hats that they used to sell as well. I, I don't even know where there is a walkabout now. Is is that even going? Is, is the, is I'm, even I'm sure I've still seen them around somewhere that you know they haven't turned into Turtle Bay yet. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll stick with Turtle Bay. Wouldn't know the difference. Um, Dom, what are you going to go for? Yeah, unlike Craig, I have I have thought about this. I gave this I gave this question more thought than any others. And I, I, Riley, I'm taking Riley McGree to Holy Moly's at Skelton. Um, <laughs> Because I figured, like, you know, without making a sweeping statement, the Aussies are fierce competitors, aren't they? I was up there last week throwing some darts with my mate. There's there's the mini golf. There's a class selection of darts board. There's pool tables and snooker tables. Like, hours and hours of fun there. We have competitive fun. So, yeah, that's that's me. Can I add, Can I add going to the Wobbly Goblin? To mine, I've never been to the Wobbly Goblin, but I absolutely love that. Someone just stopped, and I don't know these little no more about, about it than me. Um, Tom, how would you God describe the Wobbly Goblin? Oh, it's... Uh, the, the only place that's open past four, maybe <laughs> it's, the, the last it's... stop before the casino for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, it's it's when the Wobbly Goblin is a place where if you if you told anyone in Stockton you go at the Wobbly Goblin, they go. Oof. Are you sure? <laughs> and then it's kind of like one of those places to be honest. Sharp I don't really take know. of breath. Yeah, like the you go in there. Oof, what yeah. Dublin? It used to be like silks in uh, red car back in the day. Mm, yeah, could be like that. Oh, what's the place in uh, Red Cadena which you are? Which what what is, say you like to go to? Was it Raiders? No, Raiders. No, sorry. Aruba. Aruba. Yeah, you could take them to Aruba. We're going to Aruba. Yeah, We're going to Thirsty Thursday. Yeah, I mean, like, completely like, thirsty Thursday. Yeah, Tunjai's been there with David Weaver mm. and Downing, lots of Turkish people. I mean, oh, yeah, that Nick... makes sense. Yeah, Court and Cricket Club, and then go to Martha's and whatever. I've forgotten half of Thirsty Thursday, and then go to Aruba. Yeah, sorted. Yeah. Right. If you go to the Plymouth, yeah, there's Craig and Boyd Munns having a quiet pint. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> you, could t- you know what? I feel like I've, uh, I've underslowed mine as well, seeing Weatherspoons. I've just been reminded you guys kind of plugged it recently and uh, and it looked right up my street, Playbrook Play Cores. Yes. Um, yeah, I've not been. I've not been. And I, when you plugged it, I looked into it and I thought that place looked right up my street kind of things <laughs> I like and things like that. So I might have mm. to scrap Weatherspoons and, uh, and, and go there instead. Well, to be quiz fair, nights as well. Yeah. I was going to so, say, if you fancy coming right. to a quiz night with us, Craig, you know, and, and Tom, we could do a quiz night at Playbrew, could have a little, our own little team, you know, we could call it Pints with, uh, Pints with, Pints with Boyd Months or something. On the piss something. for Chris. On the piss for Chris, <laughs> yeah. On the piss for Chris. Yeah, not for Chris, it'll be with Chris. The Peronis are out. <laughs> oh yeah, I reckon Wilder would be great at a quiz as well. I feel like he'd just know like random shit knowledge and he'd just get he just get us over the line, wouldn't he? Yeah, wise. Oh yeah, yeah. Proper wise, man. He's he's had some wise conversations over a pint, and he he's definitely mm. had that. Um oh I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Balogun and we're, we're gonna go bowling. I just feel like Balogun has like this secret 
this secret skill where he has his own balling shoes and balling balls, and I just feel like he could be fantastic at it. Balling don't know why him. I've got. I just feel like I feel like he's just really good at balling for some strange reason. So I'm going to take Balogun balling, <laughs> and then I'll take him at the slots at uh, Satan. So they're all together. <laughs> show, him the, show him the sights of Satan. Um, but that's it, guys. Thank you very much for joining me, uh, as always. Craig, Dom, thank you very much for joining us for our annual, uh, now our annual transfer review show. Um, so we'll probably be seeing you in the summer uh, for a promotion party one as well. Um, but the deadline is shut. Um, and we're now in the running. Uh, this is the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was all your master chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.